Takes is a podcast from BCA Research, informing investors with straightforward, actionable analysis of macro and market events. Hi there, and welcome to the Quick Takes podcast. I'm your host, Rakaya Ibrahim, strategist at BCA Research. Beijing's zero COVID policy has been a constraint on Chinese economic activity since the beginning of the year. Although China's National Health Commission recently announced a list of 20 measures to modify its COVID containment policies, it hasn't yet abandoned the zero COVID policy. However, these restrictions have now led to widespread protests across China, and the question facing investors is whether this unrest raises the likelihood that authorities will ease restrictions sooner, lifting this headwind on economic activity. This week, my colleague Arthur Budagyan is joining me on the podcast to give his take on the outlook for Chinese policy, the economy, and equities. Arthur heads up BCA's China Investment Strategy Service and has maintained a cautious stance towards Chinese risk assets all year. He will discuss the likelihood that Beijing will ease COVID restrictions and whether that would present an opportunity to become more optimistic about the outlook for Chinese equities. Welcome to the podcast, Arthur. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Ruka. Thank you for having me. Beijing's zero COVID policy has been a headwind to Chinese economic activity all year. Uh, However, since the conclusion of the National Party Congress in October, there has been some optimism among the investors that authorities are going to relax the COVID restrictions. And we did actually see some easing. So we got things like shorter quarantine times for international travelers and domestic residents and some changes to like PCR test requirements. But there hasn't been a full-fledged reopening. Now, what we've seen more recently is that there are large-scale protests that have erupted across China uh, because of the government's stringent zero-COVID policy. Now, given that these protests present a risk to social stability in China, do you expect authorities will respond by bringing forward their reopening timeline and easing COVID policies imminently? Yes, um, I believe uh, China's zero COVID policy is experiencing a tipping point. Um, I don't think the authorities were intending to um, abandon zero COVID policy anytime soon after party congress uh, one month and a half ago. However, recent uh, protests, I think, are going to be triggered for them to seriously reconsider zero COVID policy uh, and implication for society and economy. Still, I don't expect government to abandon zero COVID policy uh, in any meaningful way till spring next year. Why? Because uh, numerous studies have shown that if virus allowed to spread, especially today when vaccinations rate, vaccination rates among elderly in China are not very high. Uh, if virus allowed to spread today, there will be a kind of a demand for on an uh, overwhelming demand on healthcare system, especially ICU beds uh, that uh, more than China can handle. And I think as a result of acknowledging this constraint, government will be trying to relax on ages. But if there is a large outbreaks in the cities or regions, 
they are still going to impose lockdowns. So I think zero COVID policy and overall China situation will be experiencing zigzags, uh, experiencing portals and um, roundabouts in the next several months before we have a more uh, kind of a clear opening uh, in spring next year. So I think train has moved station, relaxation is in, uh, in effect. Uh, they will relax as much as possible until we see outbreaks will, which will cause lockdowns. So to clarify, although you do expect them to relax the policies, you still think that there is a likelihood that we could see lockdowns that will still be a restraint on economic growth in China. Is that true? Yeah, I think they'll try to uh, uh, relax it, but they're going to respond with uh, lockdowns when there is outbreaks. And in winter time, I think uh, outbreaks will be unavoidable. One of the factors that you mentioned that has been a constraint on their ability to relax their policies is, as you said, the fact that the elderly uh, are not really fully vaccinated. The vaccination rate among the elderly is still lacking. Uh, and there's also the fact that domestic vaccines that are being used are less effective than the Western mRNA vaccines. Um, you know, at the same time, we're seeing right now that COVID cases in China are at an all-time high. So do you think that these factors together, uh, in addition to what you said, the fact that uh, the train has left the station, authorities are going to try to relax as much as possible, do you think that this increases the odds that the government will choose to, let's say, import Western vaccines and antiviral medication that will minimize the health cost of reopening and perhaps also expedite the reopening process? Yes, that would be something kind of very natural to do, but given this decision by government and a few people, it's very hard to make a forecast whether they will make that decision or not, or if they make it, when they will make it. So uh, I think it's reasonable to expect they will take that decision will move that way, but when and how, it's impossible to know. Okay, so the COVID policy is not the only factor that has been a headwind to the Chinese economy this year. There's also the weak property sector, as well as generally depressed sentiment among both households and businesses that have led to uh, weak economic growth this year. And in fact, we just got China's National Bureau of Statistics PMI measure for November this week. And that showed that there was a greater than expected deterioration in both the manufacturing and non-manufacturing PMI. So they've both fallen deeper below the 50 line that separates expansion from contraction. Now, over the coming two weeks, we will get some more economic data releases. So, for example, we get the trade data, inflation, credit growth next week. And then the following week, we get industrial production, retail sales, property market data. Now, first of all, uh, what do you expect to see from this incoming data for November? And what are the conditions that you believe must fall in place in order to boost China's odds of a robust economic recovery, whether that's on the stimulus front or easing in housing market policies or the external global environment? What are you watching for? in order to become more confident about the outlook for China's economy? I think the key factor that uh, will help Chinese economy is recovery in household and business confidence. As a result of COVID and property market meltdown, 
confidence among consumers and businesses is a record low. And with confidence being at record low, then the uh, propensity to consume is very low. So that is uh, restricting consumption, investment, hiring, and all kind of uh, drivers of economic growth. In terms of uh, data, today's PMI data in China is specifically new orders for both manufacturing and non-manufacturing. They plunged and they're leading indicator for economy. So they're already telling us that economic data were not for November only, but also for December and probably January, it will be on a weaker side. So PMI new order data are leading and this month, uh, month for November, they plunged to new cyclical lows. And that means that uh, more bad news will come in next few months. So, you know, what matters most for investors is what this all means for financial markets. And over the past month, both Chinese onshore and investable stocks have been rallying. And this increase or this improvement comes after a significant decline in Chinese equities since early 2021. Chinese equities are now cheap, which is a tailwind. So to what extent do you think that the negative economic dynamics are already reflected in Chinese equity prices, which would imply that there is scope for this equity rally to continue going forward? Um, indeed, uh, Chinese share prices were extremely oversold by mid-October and on uh, several valuation measures, they look cheap. Uh, however, I would caution into extending that cheap valuation thesis to entire Chinese equity universe because internet platform technology company are still going to face severe structural headwinds. They uh, have gone down a lot, so they can rally for a couple of months, but structural outlook for their profitability and their business model is quite negative. Eventually, in my opinion, eventually they will be uh, probably be delisted from US, which is uh, going to be another negative fact for them. For Chinese banks that trade at very low multiple, price to book 0.4, P ratio of 3 or 4, extremely low valuation multiples. Again, I would caution about uh, concluding that Chinese banks are cheap. Why? Because again, Chinese government using banks as conduit to uh, revive economy, in this case, property sector. <laughs> we are writing about it in this week's report. And in fact, we are recommending underweighting banks relative to index. And the reason for that, that banks will be on a hook as they will be giving all loans to property companies that government instructed them to give and these loans will be used to finish construction of pre-sold houses that will be delivered eventually to households in china to assure that social political system is holding up however property developers are not going to get any money in exchange of these houses so then will not be able to repay these loans. So the Chinese banks used again by government as a conduit for stimulus, and it's done at the expense of shareholders. That's why I won't be concluding of buying bank stocks in China. In fact, we are going to recommend underweighting banks uh, within Chinese equity universe. As to Asia market on short stocks, they have much more policy support going forward. And if investors want to get exposure to China, I would recommend getting exposure through 
onshore stocks rather than offshore stocks because offshore stocks don't have policy support. As to kind of absolute performance of Chinese stocks, a lot depends at current uh, juncture, a lot depends on a global stocks. If global stocks continue their rebound, Chinese stocks will continue rebounding because as, I, as we said, they are very oversold and kind of a long, uh, medium term prospect are improving. Economy will bottom in a second quarter next year and stock market can bottom in a Q4 of this year, kind of foreseeing a bottom in economy. But if global stocks relapse anew, which is quite possible in not next couple of weeks, but in early 2023, if global market go down, it will be very hard for Chinese stocks go up because again, the economy might be stabilizing, but property market will be still somewhat struggling, not able to recover fully. Experts will be contracting probably a double digit rate. And that was a positive area in Chinese economy. So putting to all, all together, absolute direction of Chinese stocks depends quite a bit right now on the direction of global stocks. And if global stocks keep going up, Chinese stocks uh, probably have seen a loss. If global stocks relapse uh, next year, in early next year, in Q1, as I expect, I think uh, Chinese market will correct the news. Great. Thank you very much, Arthur, for joining me today for this discussion. Thank you, Ruka. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Quick Takes podcast. We'll be bringing you weekly quick takes with BCA strategists on a range of macro and market topics. Next week, I will catch up with my colleague Jonathan LaBerge for a conversation about how much more pain investors are likely to endure going forward. Jonathan heads up BCA's Bank Credit Analyst Service, which just published BCA's annual outlook for the global economy and financial markets in 2023. Next week's episode will be the first of several episodes in which I will feature some of my colleagues' key views for 2023. So stay tuned.